Hello and thanks for listening to the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the contributors and not necessarily those of either Beyond Radio or of Morecambe Football Club. This podcast has reached tens of thousands of people so far this season. If your business would like to reach those people in an extremely cost-effective way, you can drop me an email for more details to dave.salmon at beyondradio.co.uk. Salmon as in the fish. Or you can send me a private message on Twitter at DP Salmon. You can also support this podcast and our Shrimps Live full match commentaries on Kofi at co-fi, that's co with a K, dot com forward slash Shrimps Live. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After... In comes the corner, it's left foot, it's a real crowd scene, it's bubbling around all over the place inside the six-yard box. Neither side can force it home and eventually it's put into the back of the net by Aidan Barlow and that is just the start that Stephen Robinson's men did not want after seven minutes. The corner caused all sorts of pandemonium, it was a real deep one right into the heart of the six-yard box. Real pandemonium inside, Morecambe couldn't get it clear. Falls for Barlow, who smashes it home two yards out to make it Morecambe nil. Doncaster Rovers won. Ethan Galbraith tracking back. He's tripped on halfway, but the referee allows play to continue. Here's Jordi Hawula, who's going to maybe pull the trigger from the edge of the box. Instead, he tries to bulldoze his way through a sea of red shirts, and he's blocked in his path on the edge of the area. Hawula gets the ball back. Cross is going to come in from this left-hand side. Oh, it's all the way towards the back post. Gardner, oh, it's through Kyle Leatherin's legs. Into the back of the net it goes. The double Doncaster's lead on 25 minutes. And that is a case of Morecambe shooting themselves in the foot again and again and again they didn't get the ball clear first time of asking cross comes in from the left hand side fell nicely to dan gardner 10 yards out his shot was straight at kyle leatherin it went through his legs into the back of the net and it's morecambe nil Doncaster the rovers to the shrimps with a mountain to climb already You've got to say that's really, really disappointing. I want to want to give Leather and the benefit of the doubt. Did he not see it? Was there a body in his way? But the shot's come and it's gone straight down the middle and straight through his legs as well. You've got to be doing better than that. But just before that, Hawula had the ball on the edge of the area, was trying to drive through three Morecambe players and, and he's been tackled to clear the ball. Foot through it, foot just, through it, Abby. Exactly, it doesn't matter where it goes, you've just got to clear the ball. But instead, Brandon Horton somehow ends up with the ball, dribbles down the left, crosses it in and it, again it falls to, to an unmarked player again this shouldn't shouldn't be happening but I say we said concede one more often than not they'll concede again and got a mountain to climb now which just wasn't necessary I don't think taken short by Galbraith and Smith he's gonna jink his way towards the byline and get another cross in here towards the back post it's a real deep one and it's 3-0 and it's Joseph Aluwu and already you have to say that Doncaster probably have the points in the back and yet again, we didn't pick up the runner at the back post. It was all too easy. The cross came in, a short corner routine over on the left-hand side. Cross came in from Matt Smith and up from the back, Joseph Aluwu, two or three yards out, just nods it into the back of the net at the back post. On the half hour, it's Morecambe nil. Doncaster Rovers three. 
a disaster. Third goal of the season and all three have come from set pieces as well. So we know he's dangerous from set pieces. We know he likes to get in at the back post. And as you say, Dave, really, really disappointing from a Morecambe perspective. Another corner, another cross into the box, another ball not cleared. It's unacceptable, Abby. It's as simple as that. It's unacceptable defending. Gibson might be asking a lot of Anthony O'Connor. He gets the ball back and we score. We have scored. We've got one back. Anthony O'Connor did really well there to keep the ball alive at the back post. Fell nicely for who else but Cole Stockton and he wasn't going to miss the empty net there. Sticks it away and we maybe just have a glimmer of hope. Six minutes into the second half, it's Morecambe one. Doncaster Rovers three. Yeah, a really cool finish from Stockton there. As you say, you don't expect him to miss from there, but a cool finish and an important goal inside the first five minutes of the second half, as we said they needed. I do think it's coming. I haven't seen Doncaster look comfortable on the ball at all. Morecambe are pressing, putting them under a lot of pressure. And, and there we go. Oh, there we go there again. Go. Diagaraga slide roll into the feet of Shane McLaughlin. His touch is a bit heavy. Plays it back across Bobby Chorley. And Paul Stockton does make it 3-2. Took his time. Great play from Diagaraga in the centre of the park. Got the ball out to Shane McLaughlin. His first touch was a little heavy, but he looked up, found Stockton, seven, eight yards out, and Coles took his time, found the bottom corner to reduce the arrears with 17 minutes to go. Is there hope after all for Stephen Robinson's men? It's Coles' 18th goal of the season to make it Morecambe 2, Doncaster Rovers 3. What about that? I said it was coming, I said it was coming. And much like the first half, how Morecambe made it look so easy for Doncaster, Doncaster have made it look so easy. They've been dispossessed quite, quite comfortably. They've been dispossessed in their own half. It was all too easy for us to far, win the ball back, wasn't too it? Easy to, just as we were saying that, you know, they're pressing, they're putting the pressure on. He picks his pocket and just gives him so much space to drive into. And hear the roar of the Mazuma Stadium crowd. Now they are fully behind. Stephen Robinson's men. They deserve it. I've got to say, they, they, they deserve it. Where was this performance in the first half? In comes to throwing from McLaughlin now, and Abika does get the flick on. It's flicked up in the air on the back post. It's Greg Lee who volleys in, and John Abika! What a time for Big John to come back on the scene and score his first goal for Morgan. Seven minutes to go here at the Mizuma, and against all the odds, Stephen Robinson's men have turned the game on its head. 3-0 down, all hope lost at half-time, and big John Abika might just have rescued a point for Morecambe. It's the Shrimps three, Doncaster Rovers three. Jonathan Abika with his first goal in a Morecambe shirt. As a striker who's been injured and spent so much time out, just to have that tap in to get that goal, oh, they, they deserve it. It's been coming. They, they deserve it. The pressure has been building, and I'm now wow. thinking, can they go on and get the winner? Because I think they can. Wow. Listen to the Mazuma crowd. So here we go. We have plenty of men forward for this corner. Five minutes to go. It's Morecambe three, Doncaster Rovers three. Here on Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. Corner comes in, Anthony O'Connor very nearly. And Diakaraga! Oh my goodness me! It's Big Tunes! Felt lovely for him on the edge of the box from the knockdown from Anthony O'Connor. 
Tiagaraga smashes the volley into the top corner. Five minutes to go. I can't believe what I have witnessed here at the Matuba Stadium this afternoon. Oh my goodness me. Morecambe four. Doncaster Rovers three. Tamani Diagaraga. That is a sensational strike. Nothing Lewis Jones could have done about that. He's almost taken the net off. That is sensational. And I literally said two minutes ago, can you go on and get the winner? And they can. And it's come from like another, another good spell of possession. A set piece. The ball's fallen to him on the edge of the box and he's just put his foot through it. Could have gone, could have gone into the car park, but he's put his foot through it and he's almost taken the back of the net off. You have to say they deserve it. They, they really, really do. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimp's Verdict on Beyond Radio. The referee puts the whistle to his lips. Relief. Relief. Stephen Robinson and Dermot O'Carroll embrace each other on the edge of the technical area. What a comeback that is for Robbo's Reds. We were dead and buried at half-time. An absolute shambles of a first half for the Shrimps. Goals on seven minutes from Aidan Barlow. 26 minutes from Dan Gardner and 29 minutes from Joseph Oluwu. We were beyond parody of how poor Morecambe were. 3-0 down against bottom of the table opposition at half-time. All hope was lost. But then Cole Stockton on 51 minutes reduced the arrears with his 17th goal of the season. He made it 3-2, 17 minutes from time with his 18th. John Abika came off the bench seven minutes from time to tap home his first goal in the Morecambe shirt to, we thought, secure an unbelievable point. And then two minutes later, a corner on the left-hand side. The ball went up in the air and on the edge of the box, there was Tamani Diagaraga to absolutely break the net with an unbelievable blockbuster volley into the top corner to turn around the game. An unbelievable, indescribable turnaround to make it Morecambe 4, Doncaster Rovers 3. Joined by special guest, Abby Rodwell, on Shrimps Live this afternoon. Abby, where do you begin to sum that one up? I have no idea. What a fantastic second-half performance from Morecambe. Can't take away the, the defensive errors in the first half. They were very, very poor. But all you ask for as a fan is for your team to come out and fight. You don't mind losing. Sometimes it's the manner of the defeats. But Morecambe have come out and they've fought for every single ball. And they were a different side in the second half, completely different side. And they deserve the three points. And if you can show that sort of fight and spirit, yeah. it's survival form. It is. I do believe if they can show that for the rest of the season, they've got what it takes to stay up. And from what I've seen from Doncaster in that second half, they haven't. Just completely different sides. Yeah. They deserve it. I suppose when you're bottom of the table, Abby, and you, you, you come to a a relegation rival because let's be honest that's what they are more can work today you find yourself in a ridiculous situation at half time I suppose in a way you almost don't know what to do in the second half do you go for more do you stick with what you've got given how poor Morecambe were as well in the first 45 minutes 
They could not have expected that onslaught, though. I've no idea what Stephen Robinson said at half-time, but, oh, my goodness me, whatever he said worked. It's all about how you respond, isn't it? Yeah. And they've gone in, as you say, what, what's he said? I've got no idea. I hope someone's going to ask him that after the game, but I've got no idea what he would have said to them. It's all about how you respond. And so they came out in the second half a completely different side, which is what they were lacking in the first half. So all credit to them and say Cole Stockton's only had a couple of chances. He was kept very, very quiet in the first half, barely had a look in. And he's, he's had two chances fall to him in this half and he, and he scored them both. And yeah, and as for Abika as well, his first goal, they don't come much easier What's than that. What a time for him to break his scoring duck for Morecambe. It's only his fourth appearance after his pre-season injury, but we thought then when we got it back to 3-3, we thought, OK, what a battling performance. But if you're going to win a game of football, Abby, the, the strikes they do not oh, they come, don't come they don't come sweeter that. do they they do not come any better than that it was an absolutely astonishing strike yeah it's brilliant and absolutely took the net off again we, we said in the first half they didn't do enough of that they didn't have enough shots on goal didn't get enough crosses into the box clearly it's there it's there if, if, if they do that the goals are in and we know Morecambe can score goals they've, they've done it this season but yeah in the first half they just didn't show enough of that and didn't test the Donny defence enough and, and when they do they've proved what they can do we've had it in us we have that in us we know we have it in us and that's what made the crew defeat so disappointing that's what made, has made the run of before today six points in 39 and that's what's made that so disappointing we know we're better with January reinforcements as well coming through the door in the next few days and a couple of weeks we know we're better than this but the good news is Morecambe fans we are out of the League One relegation zone for now at least with an unbelievable second half turnaround I'm absolutely lost for words Abby I I've got no words I've got no voice but I don't care <laughs> we've got the three points we've got the job done and that's all that counts but from from your point of view, I mean, thanks so much for joining us on Troops Live this afternoon. It's been an absolute privilege to have you on. Great insight into the game and into Doncaster Rovers and much more to come on the Shrimps Verdict podcast as well about a whole heap of, 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 of really, really interesting topics. So thanks so much for your time today. We really, really appreciate Thank you, you coming on. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. I would love to say it was a great game for the neutral because it was. But uh, yeah, not so great as a Doncaster fan, but fantastic more second half Morgan performance and uh, yeah, deserved all three points. In one way, I'm, I'm, I'm raging with the defending and that, but absolutely delighted with the boys' character. You know, it was funny. I came in at half time and I didn't rant and rave at them. No, no, I can go that way as well but I just felt we were passing the ball for the first time in six weeks we were we were creating chances but they went, they went forward three times two set plays and they score um, you know and I said to him just keep doing what you're doing just keep passing the ball and you'll get something you'll get a goal and they'll crumble and listen they did and I have to say it's credit to them you know you can the crowd can turn on them um, they didn't so that is to be admired as well the crowd did not turn on the players and you know, I think that shows you the benefit of fans getting right behind the team and once they got a glimmer of hope, I just thought they showed the composure. We didn't go long and chase the game too early because um, we can't we can't play long. We've, we've got nobody that wins headers and we've got nobody that you know, is physical, so we need to pass the ball. So I'm delighted for them. I think it's a big, big result. Psychologically, it's a big, big result and it shows that we are a good football side. Um, we can't defend. That's the reality. We can't defend at the minute and we have to try and change that effort to stay in this division. But um, somebody shouted at me at half-time, you're ruining this football club. I'm not sure too many times Morecambe have seen a game like that at this level at League One where there's 4-3 and a team that passed the ball as well and created as many chances. So it's nice to prove people wrong, eh? It was nice the second half that your players just took it by the scruff of the neck. They knew they had to do something different and they did it. Yeah, it's, look, it's a massive challenge. I've been there as a player myself where you're 
I think I've been five and six nil down at half time and you're playing for pride but I didn't feel it was that we sat in the coach's room at half time and said I'm not going to roast them I'm going to make a couple of little tweaks and changes but they've actually passed the ball well they've created chances we should have had two or three first half and we've done the exact same second half but when you play on the front foot and you go at teams and you press teams at this level you can make chances and create goals and we've done that and we should have had more you know there's more chances I'm not sure Doncaster had a chance second half you know outside the, the three opportunities they had first half which we need to sort that out let's not get away from that we need to bring people in that you know can defend better but as a whole as a team the 11, 13 that came on it was it was fantastic character Two goals from Cole Stockton again, but there was so much more to this performance than just Cole today. Yeah, I mean, listen, you seen what we were like without him. We didn't have a platform to play from. I thought Shane McLaughlin's second half was back to his old self. Toomes gives us a bit of ownership on the ball. Um, Aaron Wildig made a difference when he came on as well. There was a lot of good performance. You know, Ant O'Connor was outstanding. Outstanding. You know, he's he's carried the team a lot a lot of the season. He's had different partners, different people to play with. Um, and he had a real captain's performance today. But uh, you know, to a man, they're to be admired because that's not easy. I think people think it's it's easy to take stick and take criticism. It's not, but they responded brilliantly, so very proud of them tonight. And let's talk about Toomes, he's winner. He's had a long career, but I bet he's not scored many as good as that. <laughs> I've never seen teams have a shot, to be honest. So I didn't have high hopes when he took his touch. I thought he was going to pass it to somebody as he usually does. Um, but yeah, superb finish. You know, is what he is. He's a he's a quality footballer. He he gives his ownership of the game with the ball. And you know, we tried games without him where we had more legs, but we never passed the ball. You know, and I'd rather have somebody that takes ownership of the game and passes the ball and then people that don't and you know he does give us that extra quality and it, it brings better out of Shane it brings better out of Alfie and out of the other midfielders Aaron and Philo when he's fit again so yeah I'm really pleased for him he's responded the right way when he wasn't in the team as well so showed some of maybe the younger boys how to react to, to getting dropped All wins are important but some wins are more important than others and that must be one of those today with where you were in the league Yeah certainly um, I don't, it doesn't matter who it was against to show that level of character and quality uh, you know, please don't get away from the fact that at 3-0 down we were still trying to pass the ball and we were still trying to play um, you know we, we created lots of chances at 3-0 down but second half the momentum um, the, the pressing the desire to win tackles come out with second balls you know that's to be admired and we have to continue that in the league now we can, we can go to Spurs and we can enjoy the game and we can try and cause a shock um, but the reality is if we play like that we'll be okay but we have to do that consistently and we have to defend better and you brought Afna Hua back in today, and I thought he did really well as well. I think the whole front three did. You know, Jonah sometimes makes mistakes, Arthur makes mistakes, but when they give me the level of work for it, that's all I ask. If people run for the ball and chase lost causes like Jonah done for the goal on what day was it, the, the last game we played, you know, he won the ball back from a, a poor pass. That's all you ask from players. People will make mistakes, but I want boys that will run for the badge, to die for the badge. You know, sometimes people play for the name on the back of their shirt instead of the badge in the front, but I believe I've got a group of boys that are now playing for the badge. And you sent the Morecambe fans home really happy today. Yeah, I'm delighted for them. I am, um, as I say, bar a few clowns, um, the vast majority have stuck with us even in the first half and they were they were right to be very annoyed. Um, but I have to say, I'm delighted they got the reward because they've been like that with me all season around the town. Everywhere I've been, you know, I've had nothing but support from the board. They know what a difficult task this is, what a job we've got on our hands. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really delighted for them. And it just shows as a set of fans, if you stick by players, they can surprise you and they can achieve way above what they probably should do. Stephen, a great Wednesday. Well done. Okay, cheers. Thank I'm you. sure you'll keep everybody's feet on the ground, Stephen. Of course, that's what you do. But psychologically, what does a win like this do for us? That's, uh, I think that's the, the bigger thing. You know, if I had been 4-3, you know, if we had been winning 4-0, they, they come back, you know, it's not the same. I think the character that's shown shows we've got the character to stay in this division. I think the way we passed the ball was the first time in 
weeks, to be honest. I don't think we've passed. I think we played with fear. And I said to him, look, I'll take responsibility. I'll be the one that takes the stick off the crowd and the fans. Please pass the ball. Be brave. If you make mistakes, react to it. That's all we ask. And they showed that in abundance. Even at 3-0 down, they showed that in abundance. We've shown we can do it. And, and I suppose that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? That we know it's in us and we just need to keep doing it more often. Yeah, and it's, a, it's the consistency that you speak about. We haven't been consistent enough. Um, players have shown they can play at this level in patches. Some need to do it more consistently. But... They're a good group of boys. The boys that I had out there today, I said to them, this is the, the group we're working with. We want to add two and three to it to strengthen us, to make us better defensively. We, we're not getting away from it. We need to be better defensively as a team. We have to defend set plays better and want to die and do our jobs properly. But as a group of boys, I can't ask any more from them today. And they've proved that they continue to do that. They'll stay in this division. And finally, Stephen, the window open, of course. Uh, can we expect uh, movement in the next uh, few days? Yeah, hopefully there'll be two announcements tomorrow. Um, of two signings um, I don't want to steal um, Rand Thunder for announcing them so there'll be two signings definitely and I'm looking at a couple more in to, to strengthen us and I say we've got good players in the building as well you know they've proved that they've had a lull for four or five weeks where you know confidence looked really really low we didn't pass the ball um, we had to chop and change teams people with Covid people with injuries people playing out of position I can assure you that's not by choice so you know I think you know in my midfield today was the midfield I choose Aaron will dig fighting for a place now as well getting his fitness back in you know my front three looks strong and we bring John off the bench so if we can keep people fit we can add two or three boys to this group of boys then the show today they've got the character to stay up enjoy the wing gaffer thank you cheers thank you well Tamani grateful to join us today after smashing home that winner with five minutes to go to come back from 3-0 to 4-3 to win the game was tremendous yeah I think it shows the character that we've got in this team and it would have been easy at half time to just lay down and get beat but we wanted to give it a go and we knew if we got one then it was game one we said this on commentary that 3 is a funny lead I mean if you get it too early and what if the team does get one back it just tends to change the game and it did today yeah exactly we knew that could happen so we knew that we had to just keep going keep going and we knew we were going to create chances and we had to take them right we've got to talk about your goal I mean you smashed it on from 20 yards out did you know it was going in as soon as you hit it yeah, I did. <laughs> I actually caught it quite sweet, but, you know, it was just unbelievable. It was just great to get a three points. It was a massive game today, and that's what we wanted. Where does that rank in terms of your goals in your career? It has to be right up there, to be fair, because I don't shoot, so... The manager said the same. Yeah, I don't, I don't shoot, so that one has to be right up there, definitely. And it was an important win as well, wasn't it? Because Doncaster, bottom of the league, 3-0 down, there was a bit of doom and gloom around. But 45 minutes later, you've turned it round as a team and things look so much brighter already. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can win 1-0 and back in the way in which we won the game today, hopefully it's a turning point and we can use that to really look forward up to the league and try and climb up the table. When you got one back, did you really think this is time to really press on now? Yeah, definitely. We came out for the second half, we knew that we had to get the next goal and we had to keep pushing, keep pushing and, you know, we got our rewards. Second half performance was so much different from the first. What do you think changed it? Uh, I don't know. I think they scored early on. So it kind of, it was kind of a blow for us. And after that, they scored again. So I think the mentality just, half-time, we spoke to each other and we said, that's not acceptable. We have to get out there and just give everything. And we did. Now we've got a little trip to Spurs to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. You know, nice, a nice distraction. You know, it could be a good day out for their fans and, you know, we can go down, enjoy ourselves and hopefully make this, our fans proud. In terms of the league, though, after the defeat by Crew, that was a really, really important three points, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Crew was a massive game and we lost, so we couldn't lose back to back at home against Crew and Doncaster. That wasn't an option. The Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. You may have heard the dulcet tones of Abby Rodwell, sports journalist, alongside me in the commentary box at the Mazuma this afternoon. Matt Smith still isolating due to COVID issues. We'll welcome Matt back, hopefully, uh, next Sunday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But uh, because he's one of the privileged few, he can uh, watch the game on iFollow. And, of course, joins us to give his thoughts on the Shrimps Verdict podcast. Uh, Matt, where do we begin with a game like that? So I, I really don't know. Absolutely mind-blowing, wasn't it? Um, if you look at the the cliche, a game of two halves, I think that's very much a, a fine example. Um, you know, obviously conceding three goals at home to bottom of the league in the first half was very disappointing. Even so, I thought, I, I don't think the performance was terrible. I think we were trying, we, we were relatively positive we were trying to get the ball into good areas we were trying to force a few a few chances but it was just again the defending that let us down wasn't it unfortunately um and then you know you go in at uh at half time three nil down and and you fully expect the lads to come back out and, and really realistically just play for pride um i mean bottom of the league they've got everything to play for um you, you almost expect them to just park the bus and just sit behind the, the ball for, for 45 minutes with a three-goal advantage. And they were very clinical in, in that first half. Um, for Morecambe to, to come and get the job done and, and complete the comeback at, at half-time was quite a big ask. But we got that early goal, didn't we, in the second half? And from then on, there were only one team in it. You know, we were absolutely outstanding in that second half. Absolutely outstanding to a man. I thought every single player out there put in an excellent performance and irrespective of the first half, there's only one team this afternoon that deserved that win and that was indeed Morecambe. The question has to be asked though, Matt, where was that heart, spirit, desire, determination in the first half? Where was it against Crew on Wednesday and where has it been for large parts of the season? If we can do that, in 45 minutes of football when we're 3-0 down. It shouldn't need us to be 3-0 down against bottom of the league to play like that. No, it's a good point. But I think like Toom said in his post-match interview, it's almost like a benchmark now. Like it goes without saying, we can't really change anything that's happened before this point. But the important thing is now we have set the benchmark and... I imagine going forward, there is really no excuses to fall beyond that because we've shown if you can, it doesn't matter which team it is. If you can come back from three nil down in, in 45 minutes and go on to win the game, then that's really quite something. So you, you, like I say, you've set the bar now a little bit. So we've kind of got to, there'll be no excuses in my opinion, not to match that level of, you know, of, of character, of quality and of performance um, and as important and enjoyable as it was this afternoon, we've really got to take that into the next couple of games instead of looking back at former games. You know, obviously, bar the Spurs game, that is a huge game uh, for a different reason, of course. Um, and, and to get anything from the Spurs game would be absolutely massive. That would be huge for the football club. I, I can't wait for that one. Um, but, you know, Talking about the league games, like I say, we've got to take that level of performance we showed in the second half and spells of the first half. Spells, like I say, certainly we need towards to the end, yeah. Certainly towards the end, polish up on the defending and then take that level of performance going into the next however many uh, league games, whether it be home or away. And uh, we, we should be absolutely fine if we do just that. 
spoke to um, Abby Rodwell off air at half time. We're going to hear an extended interview with Abby at the end of this conversation. A fantastic chat. I, I spoke to her about all sorts of subjects to do with uh, not only women in professional sports media and, and the challenges and so on that that, that faces and, and how you can succeed in the industry. A whole heap of, of other topics. It's a fantastic chat with Abby. Stay tuned to the Shrimps Verdict podcast for that after this conversation with uh, myself and Matt. But I spoke to her at the half time and uh, she is a Doncaster Rovers fan. She used to be part of the Doncaster Rovers media team. And she said to me, if you score a goal in the first 10 minutes, you will go on and win this game. And everybody on the press that would just laugh because uh, we were so poor in the first half and obviously so far behind in the game. Uh, we thought that that was just not even a remote possibility. But, uh, hey, what do we know? How right was she? Well, she clearly knows her football team very, does. very well, doesn't Absolutely she? Does. Um, and, and before I continue, I take my hat off to Abby. I thought she did a tremendous job this afternoon. I really do. And... I'm not being funny. She commentated on her team throw away a three nil lead to lose the game four three, and she she kept ever so professional. So <laughs> even more testament to to her as a, you know as a sports journalist. Um, but no, it, that is that is exactly what happened. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a team crumble like Doncaster Rovers did in that second half for a long time. Um, to say they were so clinical in that first half. Whether it was a case of they had fewer chances in the second or we stepped it up a little bit defensively. Um, but they just, it was a total contrast to the Doncaster Rovers we saw in the first half. And, you know, the fans that travelled and obviously the players and the management, they'll be absolutely tearing their hair out because to be 3 0 up against a team in and around you at half time at this stage of the season, absolutely huge. And to throw it away, you know, for, for, for those guys, they must be feeling absolutely sick this evening, as I'm sure any team would would be. So, um, yeah, a, a real uh, a real shocking display, dare I say, from Doncaster in the second half. Let's talk about the goals then, Matt. We, we missed Cole so badly against Crew; It was plain to see. Change of formation, of course, back to 4-3-3 for Robbo's Reds this afternoon. But Cole just adds so much to us doesn't he and 17th and 18th goals of of the season first one right place right time tap into an empty net you've still got to put it away fair enough but I thought the second one I thought the composure that he showed when the ball came to him because he still had quite a bit to do there were players on the line he just took his time and and, and picked his spot and what a fantastic finish it was yeah, he did. You know, the ball fell to him and you've almost got, you've got Wildig on the right of the goal, who's obviously collided with the post. You've got the goalkeeper scrambling, trying to get the ball. You've got the Doncaster defender also on the line. So it's like it's not like it's a free hit at goal. You've still got to get it right from, even though you are so close, you've still got to get it right from there. So, yeah, it's just, it's just striker's instinct, isn't it? You know, you, you don't just blast it and hope for the best because chances are, if you do that, you'll keep it low and it'll come back off a, either Wildig or one of the opposition. So, yeah, it, it was it was great to see him uh, put that one away. But John Abika, I'm, we've said it before, I'm so, so happy for John. Yeah. Obviously, friend of the show, um, to finally get off the mark through no fault of his own. We all know the injury that he's had and he's worked so incredibly hard to come back from that injury. Um, so to see him put the ball away uh, for, for the equaliser, and I tell you what, even more testament to his him as a person and as a professional footballer. You've just come back from uh, an extended period on the sidelines with a freak injury. 
it's one of the first times, one of, we know he's played at uh, the Mazuma a couple of times now, but in the grand scheme of things, still one of the first performances at home. He's just equalised from being 3-0 down. He gets the equaliser, and what does he do? Grabs the ball, come on, we we can still do this. He's not settling, and that's just the mentality of him, but also of the squad, and that was especially brilliant to see, knowing that we reap the rewards of pushing on for more and not just settling for uh, for the draw. So when the ball drops out of the sky, Antonio kind of flicks it up in the air, drops down on the edge of the box. You want it to fall to Cole Stockton, of course. It falls to big tombs. And I'm sure you were thinking the same as me, Matt. Right, he's going to volley this in straight to the car park. But what a hit. So to coin an old Andy Gray phrase from years gone by, what a hit, son. What a hit. I don't know where he got that one from, but the net buster of all net busters to win us the game. Yeah, that's the kind of uh, of goal that, that you want to see win, win football matches. Um, and the gaffer said it in his post-match, didn't he? You don't think you've ever seen two Marnie take a shot. No. He's, always, he's always looking to play others <laughs> yeah. in and, and to set, set goals up rather than... Uh, than nearly break the back of the net, but uh, absolutely delighted for him. Um, he's such a, a consistent performer, isn't he, Toomes? Um, and and to see him grab the winner for the Shrimps this afternoon, obviously he's one of the few that still remain in the squad from the Wembley uh, win and obviously the, the triumph of last season. Um, so to see him get the winner in, in such an important game and what a goal it was, by the way. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed to bits for Toomes. The one thing I loved was... Everybody's going absolutely bananas, of course. We're going nuts on the press deck. All the players, the subs, most of the staff hugging each other. And I've seen the replay of the goal. The camera pans back to the halfway line. And there's Stephen Robinson just sat, just stood there with his arms folded, completely passive. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the life of a football manager. I know uh, Sean Dyche at Burnley does that as well. I don't think I've ever seen him celebrate a goal because, and this is what, Dyke just said before, you know, anything can change in the blink of an eye in, in, in football. You know, you could celebrate a goal and be going mad. And then the next thing, if you concede, then you might look like a bit of a numpty. So um, quite quite professional there for, from the gaffer. Um, although it was entertaining in one of the pitches after to see the kit man Les out there <laughs> on the pitch and then almost running down the tunnel. And yeah. I think uh, I've spoken to Ryan this evening. He said that he was doing laps almost of the press deck. So um, he just shows what it means, doesn't it? It, it, it means the world to everybody involved with this football club, from from the fans to the players to the staff to obviously those behind the scenes at the club, those who work in the media. It means absolutely everything. Um, and just unreal scenes. I, I'm gutted that I uh, I wasn't there to see it in person, but I can tell you now, even, even Lauren almost was doing laps, I think. So, um, <laughs> yeah, outstanding. Really, really pleased. Not here today, Matt, but uh, all being well, um, PCR tests and everything willing, I'm sure everything will be fine. You're going to be here uh, back on Shrimps Live Duty uh, next Sunday. And what an occasion at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it is going to be. I personally can't wait. I'm sure you you, you feel exactly the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's one of those, it's a proper day out, isn't it? You know, it's not every day that... that you know, Morecambe um, get to compete with teams at that level. I know we've not pinched ourselves this season because we have earned the right to play teams like Sunderland and Portsmouth. So when when we played those teams respectively away from home at these big 
traditional stadiums you're kind of there and you're thinking wow this is quite something mm. so to go from there to somewhere like the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in all its glory it's going to be a, a fantastic occasion and uh, more so than anything I'm absolutely delighted that the fans are going to be there um, given the fact that obviously they missed out on the uh, the Chelsea FA Cup tie uh, this time last year because of uh, behind closed doors so yeah on a personal level can't wait, can't wait for the fans. Just can't wait to see Morecambe compete with a, a dare I say, a, a, you know, world class almost Tottenham Hotspur. This goes without saying, there's some world class players in that team. So, uh, for, for, for ourselves to be going toe to toe with them, it's uh, it's absolutely massive. I can't wait, Matt. We've missed you the last couple of games. Ryan and, and Abby have done a tremendous job in your absence, but we're really looking forward to being uh, reunited uh, next Sunday. So, uh, Matt, enjoy the win today. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as much as me. And uh, stay well, keep well, keep negative. I know we always say keep positive on this podcast, but on this occasion, (laughs) keep negative. And we will speak to you next weekend. Thanks, Dave. Can't wait. Now, we were delighted to be joined on Shrimps Live today with uh, Abby Rodwell. Abby is a sports journalist. She's worked in uh, professional sports media for a number of years now. She was part of the media team at Doncaster Rovers. She then had a lengthy spell as part of the media team at the EFL. And recently, she secured a position as part of BBC Sports. So she's been in the industry for a good number of years. Before the game against Doncaster, I caught up with Abby to uh, have a a lengthy chat about a whole range of different topics to do with women in professional sports, how far we've come, what's still to be done, challenges, a whole range of topics. It's a great chat with Abby Rodwell. Hope you enjoy. So, Abby, you've already racked up a good number of years service in the men's professional game. Tell us where your journey's taken you so far. A good number of uh, years, yes. (laughs) So I um Might I, sound older than what you are there, I know, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. I've been in the industry for I think nine years now. Um started out uh in, in Doncaster actually, at Doncaster Rovers. Um my first ever job in football, first ever job in in sport, straight out of uni actually. Um so yeah, I was very fortunate to, to get that role. Started out as, as a marketing assistant, entry level role, I was one of those people who knew they wanted to work in sport, loved football, but didn't really know what opportunities there were, didn't know how to get into the industry, was kind of willing to take any job I could just to you know, get a foot in the door yeah. sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm from Doncaster, um, moved back home, saw a job opportunity come up there and thought, I'll take it, <laughs> I'll, I'll do whatever I can to get my foot in the door. And uh, yeah, started out in marketing and then it took a, a couple of months and my, my boss, I think there was, few people were missing one match day and uh, I started talking about um, doing something on the day of the game, might have been like the Twitter commentary or something and I was talking about the team selection, was talking about the opposition and he, he kind of turned to me and went, oh, you know a little bit, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I do actually, yeah. It helps that I was a Doncaster fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he said, you know a little bit, well, we're, we're a few members of staff down this weekend, will you do the commentary for us? I said, yeah, I'd love to. Um, and that set the ball rolling then. All of a sudden I moved from marketing into media. Um, and then you could say the rest is history really. So yeah, I spent four years at Doncaster Rovers um, in their media team. Um, when I left there, I was the, the media manager um, and I took on a role at the EFL as their content manager. So again, very similar role, 
moved there and, and we were a, very, a fairly small team at the EFL so content was kind of covered everything you know website social video um, there was production work involved events you know covering games live reporting you name it we, we did it um, so yeah I took on that role and kind of just worked my way up there really and spent five years at, at the EFL um, and the team grew with me as I was there I think when I started out I was a one-man content team and I think now that there's in the whole comms team they've got about 14 people there um, and then as recently as six months ago I was very fortunate to be uh, to, to be asked to join BBC Sport um, so I'm now a journalist for BBC Sport online um, kind of split my time between sports news desk online and the football desk so not solely working in football anymore but largely football um, and some sports news at the same time so yeah a little bit of everything nine years worth of worth of hard work but uh, ultimately the dream was BBC or Sky and yeah I'm sort of there <laughs> that is the dream isn't it I suppose it, it doesn't get much in terms of media in this country it doesn't really get much higher than that so and you've done it quite quickly yeah I suppose fairly quickly I mean I still have a dream of where I want to get to um, I think I've been very fortunate right place right time um, was very fortunate in that I happened to move back to my sort of family home and a club like Doncaster Rovers you know similar to sort of Morecambe and other league one clubs they have a small team they're always looking for volunteers to come and help on match days and you know I did kind of had to I think I wrote to the club initially actually to see if they'd take me on as a volunteer before they offered me the job so I did have to do that but it was very much a right place right time and I think if you if you know if you show that you're good at what you do and hard work more than anything you do you do get to where you want to get to and again with the job at the EFL it was a little bit of a right place right time it was the, the I knew somebody who worked there and they said oh have you seen this role I applied and I was fortunate enough that they wanted to bring somebody in from a club with that club background and again you know hard work and enthusiasm I think more yeah. than anything enthusiasm I just love football love talking about football love writing about football I would do anything to just <laughs> work in football and it it counts for a lot it really does <laughs> Within football media, though, Abby, it's fair to say that women are still very much in the minority. You don't see many female press officers at professional football clubs. You don't see... It's getting better on the telly and on the radio and so on, but you still don't see perhaps as many as you should. Where are we at, in your opinion, in, in terms of the growth of women being within that media and how far have we still got to go? I think, as you say, it's certainly getting better. There's no doubt about that. When I started nine years ago, I was definitely in the minority in, in my team at Doncaster, no doubt about that. And I think even when I moved to the EFL, it was a male-dominated team. And you look around clubs and you look around, you know, the staff that work at clubs and it's a very male-dominated environment. But I like to look at that as, as being a woman gives you, gives you the edge almost, I think, in some respects. I appreciate it's a male-dominated environment, but I say when I started out at Doncaster, I kind of stood out a little bit because I was a female who maybe, you know, 10 years ago might not have expected somebody like me to know as much as I did. Or, yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of gave me, gave me the edge a little bit and um, saw it as an opportunity, but definitely getting better. I think, say, there are a lot of female presenters on TV. Now you see it on Soccer Saturday, you see it on BBC, in all sports, not just football. Um, 
and I think that gives people young young women in sport I think it gives them some people to look up to you know all my, all my a lot of my sort of heroes because I'd love to go into presenting um, a lot of my heroes with with the men really because there wasn't any you yes. know there weren't your Kelly Cates your Laura Woods yeah. and, and people presenting I think it's great now to see people like that and also the BBC are very very good for this and, and Sky Sports are as well they've almost created female specific opportunities to get into the industry which you could argue shouldn't be needed but is needed and I think I, I, I again I would see that as a positive in that these organisations want to bring women in. I, I see it as a real positive and again an opportunity for, for people to, to take those steps. It's a question of credibility as well, isn't it? I think you've already alluded to that. You've got it's not just tokenism. You've got to know what you're doing and you've got to know your stuff. And as you've proven if you do know your stuff and you are determined you can get to where you want to be. But there's still an element within football fans that think they watch Soccer Saturday, they see a game on Sky or on, on another radio station, another TV channel, and they do think it's the it's the token woman because the, the broadcaster almost feels obliged that they've got to tick, tick the box almost. And that's what needs to change even further. And I think it is changing, but absolutely, people people do wrongly sometimes see a woman on TV and or reporting on football and think they're doing that to tick a box, but absolutely not. Uh, it, you look at some of the some of the presenters and some of the you know Michelle Owen's a great example on Sky. She I think she is one of the most brilliant reporters there is in the game. You look at all the praise recently that Emma Hayes has the, the women Chelsea women's manager. I don't know if you saw Brendan Rodgers' yes. interview. Week, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple of people said mm, is that patronising. I don't think it was. No. I can see why people might think it was patronising, but I think he was trying to make the point to mention women's football on it's live been, television yeah I think he wanted to use his platform on on Amazon Prime whatever it was knowing there were thousands of people watching I think he wanted to publicly make that comment to almost showcase women's football a bit more and you know Emma Hayes is she was probably been a standout from the summer I reckon because she, she worked on the Euros, yeah, the Euros and yeah, absolutely. got absolutely praised from everybody I think she's a fantastic pundit she's so insightful she's honest and I think that that sometimes being, again, probably wrongly, but being a woman, it allows you to be maybe a bit more honest and show your knowledge because you almost feel like you've got a point to prove. Mm. So you're going to go that step further and you're going to maybe work a little bit harder. And again, rightly or wrongly, it's, it's an opinion. It probably is wrong that you have to work a bit harder, but you do. But ultimately, I think that makes you better. Because conversely, there are some very famous male pundits out there don't need to mention names. I think people know who they are, who get a lot of work. They're in the public domain and have been for years, and they haven't got that knowledge. They just come out with a load of platitudes, cliches, call it what you will, and they haven't got that knowledge to underpin it. But they kind of get by on their reputation as a player almost, and and, and that seems unfair too. Yeah, and I think I think it is unfair. I, I really do. I do think that is changing. Um, obviously there are a lot of male pundits out there former players who provide brilliant insight and expertise in the game so I don't for one minute think that the male pundits should be become fewer and far between just to make space for, for women pundits for me it's very much a case of if you are good at your job there should be a job for you yeah. and, and I'm very much on that side of the fence to say that the difference is 
I maybe don't feel like I've had to work a lot harder. I work hard anyway, but I don't feel like I've had to overcome a lot of barriers. I've been quite fortunate, but there are a lot of people who, who will feel that and they've had to work harder. They've had to put the extra effort in, but you like to think that now they're seeing the reward for that because actually it makes them better at what they do. We have those initiatives, don't we? The Her Game 2 one is, is, is the big one at the moment that a lot of professional clubs more can include. I think Doncaster are in, involved in it as well. That's great on one hand that, that there is such a movement to, to try and stamp out the sexism within the professional game. But I suppose on the other hand, it's a shame that we need to do those kind of things in the first place. But anything we can do to kind of improve the situation it has to be a good thing. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you. It's a shame that those sorts of initiatives have to be in place, especially when we're living in, you know, 20... 20- I was going to say 2020 then, similar 2022. To, I suppose similar to the racism one, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it is. And when you, when it's just discrimination as a whole, yeah. isn't it? Um, you know, you could be talking about racism, sexism, homophobia, anything. It's such a shame that clubs have to have all these initiatives in place to promote inclusion. But at the same time, it is where we are. And I do think times are changing. I think it's getting far better. Um, but yeah, the, the Her Game 2 is... I think it's a brilliant initiative. I think as long as clubs support it, clubs get behind it, things will gradually start to change. I say it's it's a shame that you have to have that in place, but at the same time, I think it's really important that clubs support it. Um, and I think, yeah, more, the more and more things that you do, the more and more women you see in the game, I think naturally that opinion will start to change. And, and I think, I, I do think it is. I say you start, even just behind the scenes, yes, in men, male football, there's not, many women that work behind the scenes but there are there are more getting more and more you know I know a few female physios chef and conditioning coaches even to have that in the in the, the men's game is is massive and I do think it's changing albeit slowly but anything that anybody can do is is of huge benefit it's a matter of respect I suppose isn't it and you earn that respect by being good at what you do it doesn't matter what your gender is if you know your stuff whether it's as a pundit as a as a media officer as a football coach, whatever it might be, if you're good, it doesn't matter who you are, you deserve, you should deserve to be where you are, but it doesn't always work out that way. No, it doesn't always work out that way, but you do like to think that you're living in a society where if you're good at your job, you deserve to be to be where you are. Um, one, one thing where I think it probably is changing slightly is to say, I, and this shouldn't be the case, but there are a few few organizations are starting to do initiatives for young girls in the game and you know I think BBC were doing something recently you know let's find our next female commentator because they know it's probably a more male dominated job commentary which it is albeit again it is getting better so I think for for organisations to run these initiatives of let's find our next female commentator and they're running it for ages between 18 and 22, you know, I think think that's really, really important because I think when I was younger, I always had a view of, I want to work in football, I would love to be the next Gabby Logan, for example, but how the hell do I get into that? (laughs) And I think it's more about not knowing what your opportunities are. So the more initiatives that clubs, that you know, your BBCs, your Sky Sports, that those sorts of organisations can, can run will only be of benefit and they will find the next female commentator, you know, they'll find the next female manager, they'll find the next Emma Hayes, they'll find the next Gabby Logan, they'll find the next 
Sue Barker, whoever it may be, going back years and years. <laughs> you know, I mean, she's a good example. She was yeah. one of a handful of people back in her time. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important. It shouldn't be needed, as you say, but it is, and it's a step in the right direction. But it can't just be a box ticker, like you say. It's all well and good having one female commentator on match of the day. If they're doing the last game and it's more a nil-nil draw and they're on last for two minutes at ten past midnight, there's no point. Or Alex Scott being the new presenter of Football Focus just to tick a box because she's a mixed-race female, which a lot of people may think is the case, despite of her, of her excellent abilities as a presenter. It can't just be that box-ticking exercise. There has to be some substance with it. Yeah, there has to be some, some substance with it. I think, I mean, if the, if the next presenter of Football Focus is a man... Is he good enough? Yeah. Well, then, fair enough. Is Alex Scott good enough? Yeah, I think so, or else she wouldn't be sat in that chair, really. You don't like to think that it is a box-ticking exercise at all. Um, but I see why people yeah. do have to try and be more inclusive and show that they're being more inclusive. Um, but no, ultimately, it should be about, are you, are you good at your job? Yes, well, therefore, you deserve the job. And I like to think that's how I've got to where I am. Um, I like to think I haven't been a box ticked by my previous employers um, but you know again if, if I have I've, I've got still got to where I am um, but I, I don't believe I, I am where I am through lack of hard work and you know expertise and, and knowledge but yeah if, you, if you're good enough I believe that you will you will get to where you, you want to get to but yeah it might take that little bit of extra hard work but Unfortunately, that is the world we live in. I hope we have this conversation in 2050, however many years. And this isn't a conversation, but uh, right now it is. Um, and I think all the right initiatives and steps in place to, to improve that, but we are where we are. <laughs> so what can you see coming down the track in the next five, 10, 20 years, Abby? Are we gonna see female managers of Premier League football clubs? Are we gonna see more women than men presenting TV programmes and radio shows how do you see it panning out in the next years down the track potentially I think certainly from from a broadcasting perspective I think it, we're not a million miles away from from um, seeing as many females as men present I know if you if you go on to Sky Sports and watch any sport rugby darts anything there are, there are female presenters and I think that's an industry where it's certainly doing well I'd love to see more women in, in the men's game. Um, same way that there are men managing, you know, female yeah. football teams. Um, and there's a lot of talk around Emma Hayes and will she move from Chelsea and go to a League One club and, you know, be the first sort of female manager. I, from what I hear about her, she's she's good enough to. No but she, why not? Yeah. And I, but I think she's quite happy where she is, and and that's fair enough. But. Um, yeah, I think from a, from a broadcasting industry, we're, we're getting there. We're very close. Um, are we going to see a female manager in the men's game? I don't know. I would like to think in five years, in ten years, yes, I hope so. I, I can't see that right now. Um, but again, only takes one. And it's almost like once, once there's one, it's like, well, you know, if they're good enough, why wouldn't another woman take the leap? Um, probably be a brave step, but a good one. I hope so. The first club to take that, that leap is, is going to be, yeah, it's, it's, it is a step, isn't it? And it shouldn't be seen as that. No. It shouldn't be seen as that be. at all. But it, but it will be. It will be. It will make the headlines and there will then be a spotlight on that team 
and unfortunately with the way the world works and you know without getting into all sorts of things that online abuse and the stuff that we see every week in football um, all it would take is a couple of bad performances and that person would be singled out for being female which is wrong the same way that players are singled out for their race and which again just shouldn't even be a discussion but yeah I think it's about a club taking the leap and maybe about a woman actually wanting to be in that environment yes and not feeling like they'd be threatened in that environment um so I think it would be be a big thing on, on both sides but I'd love to see it definitely Abby thanks for talking to us a fascinating chat very finally what would your message be now to people listening to this who may think or, or they may have a daughter or they may be themselves wanting to get into professional sports media what would your message be to them 100% do it try it don't give up I remember when I left university say I knew I wanted to work in football but I didn't know what I wanted to do because I didn't know what existed necessarily I remember writing a letter to all the football league clubs <laughs> just asking for anything volunteering anything at all whether it starts out on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock for an hour making the tea if you do that if you show some enthusiasm initiative I would just say just just do it everybody's got to start somewhere and don't be put off by any rejection don't be put off by it being a male dominated environment there's there's a place for there's a, there's a place for us if you're good at what you do and if you work hard you'll get there so I'd encourage everyone to just have a go fascinating chat Abby thanks very much indeed. thanks Dave appreciate it a huge thank you to Abby Rodwell a fascinating insight into just what it is like to work in professional sports media especially uh, the challenges and the various obstacles that you might face uh, being a woman in such a male dominated industry Abby thank you so much for your time and for your co-commentary uh, on Shrimps Live we really appreciate it and hopefully uh, we'll catch you again uh, on air very soon that's just about it for this episode of the Shrimps Verdict podcast uh, we'll see you on Beyond Radio uh, next Sunday the 9th of January really looking forward to the game the FA Cup third round live from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Spurs against Morecambe it's a 2pm kickoff. if you're not heading down to the game we'll bring you full coverage as ever on Beyond Radio and of course via I Follow Shrimps too take care Shrimps fans and we'll speak to you next time Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.